Would you say good morning and welcome to Pastor John Looney as he takes us into the next step of our Gospel Shape series. All right, well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. Um, did you stay tuned for all five of those announcements? Did you, were, you stay, were you with him for all five? Okay, we just have to poke fun at John. Sorry, love you. <clears throat> we, he doesn't do announcements that often, so we don't get too many chances. But hey, we're, um, we're in this new series called the Gospel Shape Series. And uh, before that, we talked uh, about the gospel and what the gospel is and kind of defined that. And so now we're working through this series called The Gospel Shapes, where we're going to take a look at that foundation of the gospel and how it uh, informs the different areas of our lives, how we actually live that out, what it looks like to practice living out the gospel. And so we're going to focus in um, and kind of focus our attention on different topics each week. Uh, and, and kind of discuss how the gospel interacts with that, how we ought to view it and look at that through the lens of the gospel. And so last week, John kicked off the, steer, the series talking about obedience and how uh, when it comes to the gospel, obedience has to be the foundation of living out the gospel. And so uh, that's so critical, and we're, we'll, we'll touch on some of that again this week. But this week, I want to talk about the concept of discipleship, how the gospel shapes our discipleship. So first of all, just to recap, uh, let's kind of set that groundwork again just for our understanding of what is the gospel. So the gospel is simply God working throughout all of human history to reconcile, to bring back humankind back into relationship with him. And he did it through his son as a demonstration to us. Jesus came and through his uh, life and death and resurrection, we experience forgiveness and God's grace so that we can be declared righteous. We're, we're holy enough. We're, he says, you are now allowed into my presence because of what my son has done on your behalf. So there's this exchange where we give him his, uh, our sin and he takes that on himself and he gives us his purity. And so we're pure before God through Jesus. That's the gospel. So he's been working on that all throughout human history. And so now our, um, our job, our, our role, our desire is to live that out. See, the gospel answers the question, who is God and what has he done? That's the gospel. It, de it declares his glory and who he is, and it uh, lets us know what he's done on our behalf. Discipleship, on the other hand, is simply us following the ways of Jesus so that we can live into that gospel. It's us living out the reality of that gospel. So the gospel answers the questions, who are we and how should we live? In light of the gospel, who, who does that say that, that we are? As children and, and, and as heirs of God's kingdom, who are we and how should we live because of that? That's discipleship. And these two are intimately, closely linked. The gospel is pivotal to our discipleship because it's the truth that shapes our lives, that transforms us and our identity. Now, this concept of identity is a big thing, and I think God is really speaking something this weekend because we were just up at the men's retreat. And, uh, we have a whole group of men that are still up there that are coming back down uh, probably pretty soon here. But the whole topic was about identity. 
and about finding our identity, our true identity in Jesus Christ. And as I was preparing this, you, you, that's, what, that's the role of discipleship. It's for God to transform us into our real identities, which is a reflection of who he is. That's how we ought to live. As I was preparing this week, I, um, I got an email from a, from a, a discipleship uh, organization that I subscribe to. And, um, and it, this was in the email, this quote that I'm going to read. It said, the, the person and work of Jesus cannot remain a mere mental construct separate from the rest of our lives. The gospel changes us. It gives us new identities, new goals, and new pursuits. Jesus' past, present, and future work redefine how we think, how we live, how we work, and how we act. Because of the gospel, we are disciples of Jesus. So here's this link. The gospel is this incredible truth, but unless it impacts the way we live, in a real way, in a practical way, we're not transformed by it. It's just pie in the sky, it's theoretical, it's a concept, but it doesn't mean anything unless we actually live by it and are transformed by it, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. How does that actually happen? How does the gospel shape us? And so here we go. The gospel shapes our discipleship, first of all, when we imitate Jesus, when we imitate Jesus. Now, it, it's, a, it's a truth that is unavoidable. We imitate those that we're closest to. I went to, to Texas one time for a week, and I came back, and I had this, like, deep south, southern Texas drawl. People were like, you sound like a cowboy. What happened to you in Texas? I was like, I don't know. I was just talking with people. And, and you know, the, the extreme of this is, I hate to, to let you in on this, but you are probably becoming your parents. <laughs> I know, that's a horrible reality. But it, it, we're the closest people that we're to in our lives are our parents, right? It's unavoidable that in our, in our lives, our families deeply impact who we are. They impact the way you parent, the way you view finances. Like Everything is impacted by your parents. And like it or not, you usually imitate them. Because we imitate those we're closest to. So who do you imitate? Who are you imitating in your life? When people see you, do they see Jesus because you're imitating him? Or do they see something else? They see something else. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So if we can't help but to imitate our parents, how much more should we imitate God our Father in heaven, our Creator. We ought to be so close to Him that, that everything about us is changed and, and looks like Him. Jesus demonstrates this to us, and this is the beautiful thing. In John, John 5, 19, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does that the Son does likewise. This is awesome. God sent us Jesus to demonstrate what it looks like to imitate the Father. And then Jesus says, follow me as I follow the Father. 
And if you want to take this a step further, Paul in the New Testament, when he's writing to all the churches and the churches are being established, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. See, we're all supposed to be imitators, imitators of the thing that will shape us into the image of Christ. Follow the people in your life that point you to Jesus. Follow the Follow the example of Jesus that points you to the Father and find your identity in who he is. So imitating Jesus, it means actually obeying him. (laughs) This is the hard part. It means that we actually have to walk the way he walked. If we're going to imitate him, we have to do the stuff he did. In 1 John 2, 3 through 6, this gives us probably the clearest most concise picture of this concept of discipleship, of of following Jesus' ways. It says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whatever, or whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walks. So there's two people described in this passage. The people that say, I know him, but they don't do what he says. I know about God, or my family is Christian by tradition, but I don't know, I don't know who he is. I have no intimacy with him. I have no connection with him. They don't obey him. And there's a second group of people that that they're not perfect, but as they are abiding in Christ, as they are with him, as they're connected to him, his love is perfected in them. That means they're, they're actually shaped by his love. They're shaped into his image. Notice here that theology is not the link to make this happen. It's abiding in Him. It's imitating Him. That's not theology. That's not works. That's connection with Him. That's what we're after. So discipleship, it's this process where we imitate Jesus, and, and we, it, because we're imitating Him, we experience intimacy with God because He points us to God, the Father. And through that process, we're transformed by the Spirit. Now, the, the, the experience of the world is much different than that. A lot of times, we, we imitate the world, and so we experience loneliness and isolation, and so the result of that is that we have an identity crisis. This is what we're experiencing right now with the, the opioid epidemic, the rise of suicide, it's because of this loneliness and isolation that leads to an identity crisis. And God gave us the answer to this. He said, look, if you would just imitate the one that I gave you to imitate, if you would follow him, then I would be, you'd be able to have intimacy with me. And as a result, you would be transformed. You'd find your true identity, who I've created you to be. This is so key. We have to imitate Jesus because it leads to intimacy with the Father that takes us to the place of transformation. 
by the Holy Spirit. Well, this is what discipleship is all about. It's a bunch of hard work because we're walking this out, but it's a lot of fun too because we get to walk with Jesus. We get to experience him in our everyday stuff of life. So the gospel shapes our discipleship when we imitate Jesus. Second, the gospel shapes our discipleship when we are transformation ready. We got to be ready for this because when we have that intimacy by imitating Jesus, the transformation is coming. But like, like all this other stuff, we have a piece to play in this. We have to be ready for this. See, imitation, imitation is fake unless it transforms the very identity of the thing that it's imitating. See, imitation, that sounds like a, a, a dirty word. You want to avoid imitation, right? We don't like the imitation of something. We want the real thing. I went on a uh, missions trip to Mexico one time, and we went to the market. And so we're looking at all of this stuff, and I didn't expect to buy anything, but I, I found this one little uh, kiosk thing, and they were selling Prada bags, handbags. And I thought, oh my goodness, Denise has never had a Prada bag. I was so excited. And here was the kicker. These Prada bags were only $12. I couldn't believe it. I knew stuff was cheaper in Mexico, but I was like, wow, 12 bucks. That's pretty good. And here, I was pretty proud of myself because I even bartered them down to 11 bucks. So I'm really proud of this Prada bag. So I bring it home and I, I make a big deal about that I brought something for Denise from Mexico. And so she's probably expecting some sombrero or, uh, you know, an, an old churro or something. So I pull out this Prada bag. And she took one look at it and she just like shook her head. She's like, oh my gosh, what is this? Number one, Denise doesn't wear Prada like that. She wouldn't, she wouldn't do Prada anyway. But she's like, oh, thank you. That'll look awesome. That's Prada, huh? Like real Prada. Yeah, right. So like she spotted it right away. She knows that it's a fake, right? So it goes in the closet for the obligatory week that she wanted to make me feel good, and then it was gone. <laughs> because nobody wants to imitate a fake. We don't want to be fake. Imitation has to be genuine, and it has to transform our very identity so that we're the real article. See, when Jesus transforms us, he doesn't transform us into some other version, some lesser version of, of what God intends us to be. He wants to transform our existence, our very identity, so that we are the real article of what he's created us to be. But it comes at a cost. We have to be transformation ready. We have to be postured so that we are willing to actually go through that process. So Luke 9, 23 through 25, Jesus said, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whatever, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. 
You see, there is a cost to following Jesus. It will cost us giving up our values, our priorities, to say, God, replace those with your values and your priorities. Lord, transform that area in my life. I love the, um, the, uh, a guy named Hugh Halter. He's, he's one of my uh, heroes because he's, a, he's an author and his stuff is amazing, but he's also a pastor, and so he gets the real practical ministry side of things. And he pastored a church. He planted this church called Adolam. And, uh, and they, they really were striving to be an authentic community that we're going to follow Jesus together no matter the cost. And so when they would have visitors come to the church, um, this was kind of like his pastor's chat, get to know the pastor. Like he would take people out who were new to the church and he would give them what he called the death talk. Welcome to the church. Let's talk about death. And that was like, because he was serious, he, he said, you know what, we are a community that we're trying to follow Jesus, and we would love to have you be a part of, of living that out, but it's going to require that you put to death yourself so that we can live in Christ. We all need a death talk. We all need to be reminded every day, man, there's stuff I need to put to death in my life. And God will start to reveal those things to you. He'll start to transform you, but you have to be willing to let him. You have to be willing to let him put to death those things so that we can take on the identity that he has for us. Uh, turn in your Bibles. You ha- if you have a Bible, turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 21. This is a little bit longer, so I, uh, this won't be on the screen. But I, so I want you to turn there so you can follow along as I read it. But as you're turning there, you know, the, uh, this transformation ready stuff is pretty radical. There's, there's no such thing as casual Christianity. That, that's not a thing. That doesn't exist. You can't just like sort of do this. There's no non-practicing Christians. That, that's just not, it's, it's, a, it's a misnomer. There's, there's no such thing. If you're going to follow Jesus, it means that we actually have to transform because that's the whole deal. He wants to transform us in his likeness. And thank God, because I have a lot of stuff that needs to be transformed. And he does that in us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me, starting in verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. That's the gospel. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, listen, he is a new creation, transformed. If you're in Christ... The old has passed away, and behold, something new, something beautiful has has come. Verse 18, and all this is from God, who, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So there again, this is the gospel. He reconciled us to himself, and then there's mission, that when we're, when we're, when we're experiencing this, then we get to go and represent him. 
Verse 19, that is that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. We have his image. We take on his image and his authority, and we represent that. There's transformation there. We're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be transformed by God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Because there's identity, there's gospel, and there's mission. This is what God, he wants to actually transform our whole lives so that we can, in Christ, be his image to the world. It's a beautiful picture. But it started with, in verse 15, they no longer live for themselves. That's what it started with. See, being transformation ready is being willing to put to death the old stuff and the junk that we pick up along the way and the stuff that's holding us back from the intimacy with God so that we experience the transformation of the Spirit. We've got to put that stuff to death. So are we actually transformation ready? Have you ever had a car (laughs) that was transformation ready? Let me tell you about my car that's transformation ready. I drive a 2002 Honda Accord. This is like getting into the years now where it's considered vintage, okay? When my car was rolling off of the assembly line, Kelly Clarkston was winning the inaugural season of American Idol. That's a long time ago. When my car was brand new and had that new car smell, let me tell you, it doesn't smell like that anymore. When it had that new car smell, the average home in America was $228,000, Wouldn't that be nice? This was a long time ago, okay? Now, I'm grateful for my car. It's paid for, and I don't have a payment, and it still runs, but the paint is stripping off. The engine has an oil leak. There's a crack in the taillight. There's multiple dents. So by all accounts, my car is just begging for a transformation. But is it transformation ready? No, it's not because I'm not willing to put any money into it. I'm not willing to pay the cost to actually fix up my car because, you know, it's on its last leg anyway. See, we all know that we need a transformation. We, want, we like that concept that Jesus will transform our lives and everything will be great. But are we willing to pay the cost to let him do some deep work in us to actually be transformed. See, some of us, we like that concept, but we're not transformation ready. Our lives need transformation. People can look at our lives and say, oh boy, they are transformation ready. They need that. Their paint is stripping. But our lives tell a different story because we're not willing to pay the cost. We're not willing to put things to death. We're not willing to live a different way. I love how, the, how when Jesus called the disciples, he called some really just, just ordinary guys, tax collectors, fishermen, 
These were ordinary people that he called, and he said his invitation to them was, come and follow me. I'll transform your identity from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. That's a transformation of identity. But to do that, you're going to have, have, have to have intimacy with me. You're going to have to follow me, and you're going to have to drop something. And I love that, that in this simple exchange, when he calls Simon and Andrew, it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately. They dropped their nets. They dropped their identity. They dropped their career. And they followed. And then he went on and he saw James and John. And they go a step further. They left their father <laughs> right there in the boat. He's many in the, okay, bye guys. I guess they're leaving. They're going to go follow Jesus. These guys left, they dropped something. They were willing to make a change. So how do we know if we're transformation ready? I want to give you this, this silly little acronym. The, acronym. the word is FATSO. So you have permission this morning to be a FATSO, but here's what it means. This is how we know we're transformation ready. The F is faithful. Am I willing to keep following when it's hard? Available. Am I willing to rearrange my life, my schedule? Trainable. Am I willing to surrender control to do it his way? That's a big one. Sendable. Am I willing to show other people how to follow Jesus? And obedient. Am I willing to learn one thing and do one thing? To actually not just learn something and then put that away in the knowledge bank and learn something else and just keep on learning no, we have to do something. Transformation comes by actually doing something with it. Learn something and do something with it. Now, are we transformation ready? So third, third thing here, the gospel shapes our discipleship when we avoid the activity trap. When we avoid the activity trap. Now, I'll, let me explain this and I'll break this down a little bit for you. But So we, we've got these things called spiritual disciplines, all right? So spiritual disciplines are, that's just a fancy way to say they're, they're all of the stuff that helps us follow Jesus. So uh, we, we do these uh, spiritual activities to help us follow God and have intimacy with him. So stuff like prayer, reading your Bible, fasting, Sabbath, solitude, community, these are, these are spiritual disciplines, okay? So, but here's the, the activity trap, it comes in two forms, the first is we don't have any ongoing spiritual activity. And the result is that we, have, we live with this guilt because we know we're supposed to do some of this stuff so that we're close to God, but we don't do it. And so there's guilt. But the deeper, inti- or the deeper problem is that there's no intimacy. See, these are the things that connect us with God so that we can have intimacy, so that we can be transformed. That's discipleship. That's the goal of discipleship. So, so that's the first part. And some of you, as I read that list, you already kind of felt like the pangs of guilt. Like, oh boy, here we go. I haven't done that stuff in a long time. But there's another group of people here that as I read that, you, you might have thought, oh, you know, I got most of that nailed. I'm good with that list. But there's a trap for you as well. And that's that sometimes we try so hard to keep up spiritual activity that we actually miss the point of actually doing it. We miss the point that it's to connect with Jesus. We get so caught up in all of the, the peripheral, 
the, the, the activity itself, and we lose the point. We can become so obsessed with spiritual disciplines that we miss Jesus. Is anybody here like working on cars? Your car, anybody a car person? I, uh, you all are just like me then. I hate working on my car. And my car is very happy that I don't work on it. There are some people that they love to work on cars. They just enjoy it. They want to pop the hood. And they just want to get in there and tinker. You know, like they, they, they just love to, to be in there working. The, the thing that brings me the most joy is getting my car fixed. Because I want it to run. I, had a, uh, I have a cousin who, um, his first car was a 1965 Mustang. And he bought, I mean, this thing was a fixer-upper. It didn't run at all. And so he spent a year, the first year of having his license, working on his Mustang. Well, it was cool that it was a Mustang, but it didn't go anywhere. So all he did was work on it. No, I would rather have a car that works, that runs, right? This is how we approach our, our Christianity sometimes. We can have this hobby Christianity. We, we're, we're really excited to tinker with the mechanics. So we, we invest all this time in, in, in activity, but we miss the point of actually connecting with Jesus. That's discipleship because that's where intimacy happens that brings transformation. That's how we walk out the gospel. We can't miss this. Discipleship can become this Christian hobby where, where we, we just are consumed by activity. Did I do my Bible reading? Did I make it to all three of my Bible study groups? Did I go to my community group? Have I checked in with my accountability partner? Did I listen to Air One on my way to work this week? Did I memorize a new Bible verse this week? Did I invite my neighbor over for dinner? Did I go to Skid Row this month? Did I serve in children's ministry? Well, let me go on. Did, did I podcast seven other church pastors this week? Did I spend an hour a day praying? Did I tithe? Did I Sabbath? Did I have solitude? Are you kidding me? <laughs> solitude? There's no time for that. All of this activity, these are good things, right? That's all good stuff. We can become so busy with even with our Christian uh, practices that it just becomes a hobby. It's not genuine faith. It's not God transforming us into his image. It's just keeping up the routine. Man, we've got to be, we've got to come back to the heart of discipleship is connecting with Jesus. Let me, let me illustrate this for you. If we're actually uh, got a drawing up here. Okay, we're on. All right, so we got Jesus here. Jesus in the middle, and that's the whole goal, is to connect intimately with Jesus. But what we do sometimes is we take this, and we put Jesus in this nice, tidy little box, and then we say that these boundaries here, this box, is these spiritual disciplines. So we've got some Bible reading in here, if I can spell. And we've got things like um, maybe worship over here. That's a good thing. Helps us get to God connect with him we've got prayer that's a great discipline to have in our lives and uh, i mean there's a lot to choose from uh, let's go with giving okay these are pretty common in the church so if we're reading our bible and we're praying and we're worshiping and we're giving then these things will help us to find our way to jesus okay 
So these spiritual practices, these are good things, and they do help us connect with Jesus when they're in the right context. But here's what we do. We make it all about these boundaries. We make getting to Jesus contingent on these things. And Jesus never called us to do a bunch of this. He called us to be with him. And so you've got people who, you've got, let's say we've got a person right here. They're really close to Jesus. They're like right up all in Jesus right there. Okay. And then you've got people out here. Uh-oh. These guys over here, they are outside the discipleship, the spiritual discipline box. But look at this. This person right here, they've, they're really close to Jesus in their Bible reading and their giving and all of the activity, but their heart is over here. They're going the wrong way. And these people, even though they're not, they don't have all of this stuff figured out, their heart is being drawn to Jesus. Now, that's a mess up there now, but, <laughs> but you tell me who's closer to Jesus. The heart. Because even though this stuff on the outside, these disciplines, they, they create intimacy with God. That's what they're there for. It's not about the activity. It's about connecting with Jesus' heart. That's when he can transform us. That's when we can take on a new identity because we understand who he is. That's when we imitate him because we're close to him. He's our father. In John chapter 5, verse 38, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish leaders. And he says, he just nails them. He says, and do you not have this word abiding in you? For you do, uh, for you do not believe the one who he has sent You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They had all the knowledge, they had all the scriptures, all of the stuff that pointed them to intimacy with Jesus, but they didn't have Jesus. He said, you're missing the point, guys. The very scripture that you know and you study is pointing to me, so come to me. So what's the balance of these two, these two extremes of the activity trap? The balance is, am I connected with Jesus, and is he the focus of my activity? See, some of us, we actually need to add in some of that, that activity. It's missing. And if we want the intimacy with Jesus, that's going to help us get there. But for some of us, we've got this hobby Christianity that we've got to ditch so that we can actually experience who Jesus is. So the gospel shapes our discipleship when we uh, imitate Jesus, when we're transformation ready, when we avoid this activity trap. And the last thing is that the gospel shapes our discipleship when we live in community. We got to live in community. I am always up here talking about community, talking about community groups, because this is so critical to living out the gospel. This is how we're shaped and formed. It's not in isolation. It's not on our own. Me and Jesus and nobody else. We're all good. We got this together. No, we need each other. We have to live this in community. Jesus lived in community. He lived with 12 guys. 
and they did amazing things together. Anybody been watching um, the baseball playoffs? I know as I say that, there's sadness that drops into our souls because our Dodgers have been eliminated. The image of Clayton Kershaw sitting dejected on the bench. Oh, it's so hard. But I love the baseball. I love baseball playoffs. It's like my favorite time of year, uh, much to uh, Denise's um, chagrin, she, because it's just on all the time. There's a game every day. I love it. But the, the, the intensity of these games is that every pitch matters. And when, when the pitcher is pitching the ball, every pitch matters. And the position players, when he's pitching, they, they're not doing anything, right? They're just waiting. They're hoping that the pitcher is going to do well. They're just waiting. And when the pitcher pitches the ball and the batter hits it, the pitcher, they can't really do much. They're contingent, they're, 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 they have to rely on the position players to do what they do best, to be the professionals at their position. Look, we need each other because just like baseball is a team sport that needs all the players on the field, Christianity is a team sport. We're a team sport. We need each other. We need to rely on each other. We need to challenge each other. We need to pick each other up when we're in a slump. We got to help each other out. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14 says, Just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the, excuse me, for the body does not consist of one member. It consists of many. The body has many members. If you're trying to be the body of Christ, you're only one member, and that's an ugly body. I'm sorry. I don't even care what, what member of the body you are. That's ugly if you're only one member and you're trying to make up the whole body. We need each other. We need each other's gifts, skills, understanding of who God is, uh, how God's challenging us and, and forming us. We need each other's encouragement. And this is what I love too. The world needs us to be one body too. The world needs to see our community. Because when the world sees our faith, that's powerful. But when the world sees us interact with each other, it's dynamic. See, the world gets to see the world interact with each other and it's self-centered and it's focused, uh, self-focused and it's ugly and it's vicious. But when the world gets to see the community, the body of Christ come together, it's beautiful because it's the picture of Jesus. It's his body that we're representing. They get to see love for each other. They get to see uh, real healthy intimacy with one another, accountability with, they get to see Jesus. We've got to live this in community. We can't live it in isolation. It's where we speak the truth and love to one another. It's where the gospel shapes us. Discipleship doesn't happen apart from community. We need each other to live this out. I'm going to invite the worship team back on stage. And ju in just a moment, we're going to go back into worship. And I want to end this morning by returning to, again, to that first encounter that Jesus had with those simple men 
all those years ago, Jesus said to them, come follow me. And immediately they dropped everything. They dropped their careers, their income, they dropped their responsibilities, they dropped their whole way of life to come and follow the Messiah, to come and follow their king. They rearranged everything to follow. And I just want to ask us this morning, what have you been holding on to that you need to drop this morning so that you can follow? What do you need to drop so that you can imitate Jesus? Are you actually transformation ready? Are there activities in your life that you need to either add in or take out so that you can have intimacy with Jesus? And have you been trying to do this thing apart from community? You need to, you need to plug in. There's stuff that we need to drop. But the disciples, they didn't just drop their nets. They followed. They took a step. They stepped forward. Now some of us, we need to ask, what do I need to drop? And some of us need to ask, what is a step forward that I need to take to step into some of this stuff that God is challenging me with, pressing in on me? Maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus yet. There's stuff that you need to drop from the old way of life that you know needs to get dropped so that you can take a step forward in following Jesus. Those of us who have followed Jesus for some time, maybe there's some stuff we've picked up along the way that we just need to drop that stuff. We're going to go back into this song, I Surrender. And I want to invite you to just, as we sing this, to let the Lord just speak to the places of your heart and speak those places where, God, I know you're saying, I need to drop that, or I need to follow you and take a step forward into that. And I want to ask that we can be real, and we can just take a moment and lay those things down. Say, God... It's not about that stuff. We want intimacy with you. We want to actually be the real thing. We want to follow you. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to live out the gospel, that it would not just be theoretical knowledge, but God, it would sink deep into our lives, into our hearts, into who we are, that it would transform our identities as we connect with you and learn your heart and understand you by your intimacy Lord God transform us into the people that you want us to be in Jesus name Amen